there is a consciousness and this is where it becomes really wild that's almost talking to you while you're having the experience right and each plant has a different kind of personality that's it and for the scientific mind that's crazy Hello, this is Dr. Diva Nagula. Welcome to From Doctor to Patient, where our goal is to bring you topics of discussion that will educate you on the various healing modalities to help balance the mind, body, and spirit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of From Doctor to Patient. Today, I am pleased to bring you Manesh Ivar, who is a spiritual speaker reputed ceremonial leader and powerful business guide. He's a multi-talented spiritual scientist and entrepreneur of consciousness and sustainable life systems, guiding individuals and businesses towards optimization through a combination of modalities, including human design, energetics, remote viewing, shamanism, Kabbalah, and genetics. Born with clairvoyance abilities and heightened intuition, He's deeply invested in science, media, sound, nature, and spirituality. Manesh has helped digitize brands such as the NFL, MLB, Muppet Babies, Universal Pictures Properties, Sony Pictures Properties, Star Wars, and TY Beanie Babies, becoming the youngest Sony executive as vice president of new media and technologies by the age of 23. He founded a nonprofit organization and his own company, Verse Media, producing transmedia campaigns and managing artists using new technologies and social media platforms. Manesh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for being a guest on the show. And I might add, not only are you here as a guest, but you're also a dear friend and mentor. So thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And wow, nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I aim to please, my friend. I aim to please. <laughs> Excellent. Let's just talk about shamanism you know and it's an interesting topic um a lot of people are trying new things with their life and trying experiments and i just really want to have you come on and discuss various topics but what is a shaman what is shamanism that's a great question and i think there's this incredible uh resurgence of shamanism today and defining it is uh, quite interesting. Originally, the shaman word comes from Siberia, and it meant the one who knew. And usually it was a person that was kind of in the fringe, living in nature and communing with spirits of nature and trying to bring balance back into our, their society or their tribes. And that included doing ceremonies, doing healing, working with the plants and creating concoctions for healing and then also just working with spirits, basically, mostly. And then that kind of got taken by archaeologists who went and visited many different indigenous people. And there was always a couple people that just didn't fit our own Western world definition of, of positions, let's say. And so a lot of different categories got kind of put under this term shaman, where for indigenous people, let's say the kind of ceremonial master versus the plant person versus the spiritual oracle psychic versus let's say the the body manipulator all had different terms yet because we didn't really know that we just kind of stuck them into shaman now there's a definition that we all kind of agree on with shaman is it's somebody who 
connects with the spiritual world, the unseen, and can travel into that world and basically bring back information for the client, for the culture, for the company, whatever it is. And I think one of the primary definitions is it, it's either you're brought into lineage by birth or you get initiated by nature or by a teacher. And usually that encompasses having to die to basically be able to go into the spiritual world and then come back. And then that's part of the initiation is to do that continuously, even fluidly. And so that's kind of what I hear about shamanism. So when you say have to die, do you physically go through death where you have no breathing and your heart rate stops? I mean, is that typically what you describe as a death when you go through this process? Yeah, pretty much like the, the real medical death. And wow. you have to, to, to go into that other realm where you're no longer living in the physical realm. And then somehow you come back. And so most traditional cultures, when that would happen, so it's kind of like our near-death experiences that many people happen, was considered a very special moment and an initiation by nature to call that person into that work of being a bridge between spirit and the material world. And for you, like how did you feel a calling that this work was that was calling you to become a shaman or be initiated as a shaman or, or what made you think that this was the the right path for you? I think, yeah, it's, it's more of a calling, even though I think I resisted it a lot. I mean, I was brought up in an indigenous kind of way of thinking, which is the Basque people in Europe and they're very close to nature and they have been there for 35,000 years. And so they have kind of a different way and it was always connected to nature. But then I had the French culture. And then when I moved to the U.S. when I was eight, I went into this deep depression um, and kind of got out of it with sports and music. And right around that moment, I had this weird experience out in the woods and popped out of my body, kind of like had this weird near death experience, but I don't really know what the shock, there wasn't a shock. It was really a special place, I guess. And I popped out of my body. Now, meanwhile, at seven years old, I had gotten kicked out of the Catholic church just because I was laughing at the priests. <laughs> so I didn't go through communion. I didn't go through any of that spiritual aspects. And my dad was a physicist. So I just said, okay, forget all the religious stuff. You know, they're hopeless and they're just telling us stories. And I went into the physics and the science and then the music and then the sports, right? So very kind of traditional American culture, going to the hockey games, all that. But after this pop of, of when, when I left my body randomly at this moment in the forest in Connecticut at 14, that really triggered a lot of intrigue because I didn't understand what was going on at that point. And when I did pop, I blended with all of nature's spirits. I mean, I remember kind of almost being an owl, but then also being a bat, but also being a mouse and understanding their whole game of, you know, the bat and the owl trying to get this food and having to kind of like understand each other and how the trees were communicating. I mean, it was just incredible how I just melted into everything, which definitely made me say, well, then I must be dead. And yet my body's standing, but I'm not in my body. I'm looking above my body. And then I came back into my body and I won't go into the, all the details of what happened in that moment. I mean, my shadow played some weird tricks on me and there was a song and anyways, 
when I came back into my body, it was, it was wild. I could feel the dew. I could feel my breath come back. And I was like, wow, I'm alive. And then I was like, oh shit, the concert, because I was playing a concert and, and then had to go play the concert and then came back and was like, what was that? And it just kind of played in my head for quite a long time, trying to understand what had happened because it didn't make any scientific sense, except if like somehow I lost consciousness or I, I went into delusion or this kind of description of these near, near death aspects. But it just kind of stayed with me. And then, of course, my friends kind of made fun of me. And, and so I didn't really want to push it out. And, and there's no room in our culture to really, or at least when I grew up in the 80s, there wasn't that room to talk about this kind of stuff, right? Right. Real spiritual experiences, you were kind of laughed out. And it was when I was 16, I was in France and I asked my aunt, who was more into this kind of um, world, if she knew somehow, somewhere, somebody who did some type of ceremony for the new moon or the full moon, because the moon is very present during that moment when I had an outer body experience. And she opened her like, you know, address book and was like, here, there's like these three people. I called one and decided to go. Uh, he came and invited me to basically do a sweat lodge ceremony. And there I met him, Jackie Bailey, who's now passed. And there was also Archie Firelame Deer, which was a Native American. So funny enough, I go to the Alps in France to go meet a Native American <laughs> and this Druid guy. And it was this incredible experience, the Sweat Lodge. And that's pretty much when, you know, the teacher finds the student and the student finds the teacher kind of thing. Like that just happened. I didn't know what was going on. And they were pretty impressed with, I guess, what I was able to see and perceive. And, and I started an apprenticeship. Now for me, that was kind of like, okay, I guess all of us need some spiritual path. And this is my personal one because I'm not religious and I'm not going through that. So I just took it as kind of like this other spiritual thing. And what I liked about it is they gave you direct experiences. You know, the sweat lodge was really intense. It's super hot and you have to kind of confront certain fears, but yet the liberation that happened, I started seeing colors and auras and I was just like what is this and started reconnecting to that feeling of when I had left my body they um that's where the apprentice started and then after that it just kind of followed me everywhere wow so after that at what age were you then when you that was 16 when I started yeah. and so then I, I studied with them uh a lot like especially in the summers when I would go back to Europe and then I'd get in contact they gave me so much reading I mean it was it was pretty wild some of the stuff they said back this is like back about 92 they talked about all this conspiracy stuff with ufos and extraterrestrials and the conspiracy of an illuminati and i thought they were just crazy and what's amazing to have had that information in the 90s where there was no internet and to now see it everywhere on the internet really well produced and there's all this stuff it's, it's really fascinating to have been privileged to that kind of information but more so they were able to give me these traditional experiences that really push your boundaries almost make you die at least especially a physical ego death and really change my perception of what is really going on and eventually my clairvoyance popped and so i started seeing auras just naturally and then i was trained into how to really use that but so that's basically been my practice in terms of helping to heal people is using that gift of being able to see auras and chakras and energy inside of people and, and really playing with that. 
And so either giving them other experiences that basically some of my teachers gave me because I know what it does energetically, like spending a lot of time in nature or using plants also that they taught me how to use. So then there's many different levels of plants. And that's where in shamanism, there's this huge part, which is about learning nature's gifts, the plants. And there's master plants and more daily plants, let's say, and they all have their effects. And with these plants, is, is this a way of trying to get you into an alternate state of consciousness by consuming these plants and undergoing some sort of ego death, if you will? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the aspects of some of the master plants. I think what happens is consciousness leads energy and then energy leads matter. So you always have to deal with the conscious mental understanding of the process, which then can help move the energetics and not get stuck in a routine of, of the same kind of conscious thought that then loops the energetics, which then creates the physical pain or suffering or, you know, symptom. And, and so you always have to play with the consciousness. Now, what happens is there's certain plants that can like Bach flower essences, for example, very common plants. And you make a simple treatment with water and light and you bring that essence of the plant into the water. And just by drinking that, you're going to shift your subtle energy, your memory in your cells and your consciousness. And that will shift your energy and then you can get really much better. Master plants are much more initiatory, I'll say, where basically they're, they're really intense. And yes, at that point, you get to have your ego smashed and you move into that <laughs> area of, of spirit, basically, and, and you lose kind of control and you start seeing the bigger picture. And so those are kind of called master plants because they are masters. masters. And on top of it, there is a consciousness, and this is where it becomes really wild, that's almost talking to you while you're having the experience, right? And each plant has a different kind of personality, let's say. And for the scientific mind, that's crazy. Plants don't have personalities. Well, in the shamanic realm, they do. And everything does. I mean, each tree, you know, there's a species, let's say, willows will have a certain healing quality and a certain essence. But then within the different willows, there's different personalities when right. you really get into the spiritual. That's fascinating. And I really want to get more into like a discussion of master plants, but let's take two steps backward and talk yeah. more about consciousness. You know, like yeah. what is expanding, expanded consciousness or alternate consciousness? I mean, what are we doing? It's a whole, huge discussion. And, and I, you know, I don't even know where to start. So since you're like very familiar and this is kind of what you work with. So I would love to get some definitions and, and just kind of explain what, what these things mean. Amazing. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Perfect. <laughs> it is an incredible subject. And I think it's the frontier right now that science and spirituality are at a meeting point. And there's, I guess, a the big argument right now that we're trying to figure out is whether consciousness is comes from the physical brain and therefore is attached to the physical body or is it separate and is it something else? Right. And obviously the hardcore scientists and materialists are going to 
say and believe that it's very much related to the brain. The shamans will say, no, no, no. It's, it's related to something external, which is actually the spiritual. And the brain is a result of that. And so I guess my whole initiation, because I, I did hold on to the scientific part of me, my, my whole family are doctors and engineers and this and that. So even when I went and had these experiences, I was always confronted with a very rational need to explain what I was doing and having kind of a scientific thing, which is very hard when you're having personalized experiences, right? Because there's no more common denominator or, or, or testing ground yet. Right. It is, it's subjective. And uh, yet, so, okay. So yet I'm having these conscious experiences changing my awareness. And so that started going into, okay, what is consciousness? Which is actually funny that conscience has science in it. It's with science weirdly. So our consciousness, the way that I see it, we have the frontal lobe, like the conscious awareness where we're talking right now and we can be aware that I'm talking to you and this and that, and I'm aware of my existence. And we kind of talk about consciousness as the awareness of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But then there's this subconsciousness and we understand that from psychology and this and that, that there's this whole other world. And now science is saying, well, actually our subconscious is controlling our consciousness. So we're, most decisions are actually made in the subconscious and then the conscious makes that decision for us. So that starts questioning it's our like free the will. executor, right? Exactly. It's a CEO with a board in the back. Right. <laughs> and so, so what's going on in the subconscious and what is that? And that's been an interesting, uh, study and i think that's exactly where the shaman goes is, is in the subconscious world and then what i've been shown and experienced is that there's another supra consciousness which is really external and and is maybe even beyond the human comprehension but that actually is connected to every other consciousness so like you can actually start seeing that let's say eagle has a certain conscious frequency and i'd like to talk about frequencies and this is how i actually talk about spirits is they're conscious frequencies so ego has a certain frequency human beings have a certain frequency and you know trees have a certain frequencies and i can you can get into the specifics and that's the colorization and the specifics of that tree let's say the willow and then that specific willow is going to have its own thing because of its environment but the willow in itself is always connected to that conscious frequency that makes what a willow is. And this is how we're connected in the subconscious. The subconscious is pretty chaotic, but it actually does have an order. It's just very different. And, and I think part of the game of spirituality is to become more aware, therefore bring consciousness to our subconscious patterning and understand those patterns and the archetypes as we call them that can actually run through us and then work with them in harmony as we become more and more aware. And really almost, I would say all of life is about that. Just coming into this physical realm to bring more awareness, therefore consciousness of this subconscious and even supra consciousness. So would it be safe to say that the supra conscious is sort of like the collective unconscious? And also is that consistent with, um, source or is that two separate yeah. things no i would i would i would probably call it that yes there's a but when we say collective it's not the human collective it's it's really the cosmic collective it's everything right? it's everything 
And yet each individual, like so all humans or all trees can connect to that super consciousness, that divine source consciousness, let's say. Um, and it's quite fascinating because then you go into, okay, yes, there is an intelligence in the universe. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that's, uh, that's amazing. That can bring us a lot of faith. That there is an intelligence now whether we understand it or not that's a whole different thing and i think right. that's the whole point of consciousness is how far can we get to this super consciousness and i remember archie actually saying you know the word for god in in lakota is wakan and it just means like the thing that it's the mystery and and there's a reason we call it that and the human brain wants to figure out everything but there's a certain cap to the fact that we're just human and so we won't understand certain things of that great mystery. Right. We're just not able. But at the same time, what we can do is, is really gain tremendous awareness of our relationships with what's around us and the people around us and how we act. Like, why are we acting this way? Like, why, why are you angry right now? You know, or why are you sad? Or why are you happy? And that's the why starts becoming the meaning, which I think is, is where we start touching upon this super consciousness and the subconscious i guess for us on this physical earth <laughs> we're able to access our subconscious by mostly dreaming is that correct yeah i mean dreaming is is the most common way and it's yeah. it's interesting because it's like half our life we dream so we're in our subconscious and then half our life we're in the awakened state of just awareness and consciousness I think now sub, uh, they actually have brought subconscious and then there's an unconsciousness. So there's, there's two levels of the subconsciousness that they're trying to figure out or that they have like figured out. And so that's, that's where it becomes interesting because I think that let's say deeper level of subconscious is probably the human collective unconscious or consciousness. And then we, we have our individual unconscious and then our individual conscious awareness, right? Wow, okay. And so I think we, we have the ability to understand our own unique subconsciousness, which gives us access to the collective. And by us understanding and in a way aligning to our subconsciousness, our unique subconscious patterns, we can then be a tool to raise the collective. Got it, interesting. And when you talk about like, like energetics, I think I remember you talking or, or t about an incident where there's an experiment done where there were two photons that were taken from a specific region together and then they were separated. And then there was a magnet applied to one of the photons. And even though they were separated, it actually affected the spin of the photon that was separated from where the other photon with the magnet that was attached to it. I mean, that's fascinating. Yes it basically proves that there's an information field which can travel at least twice the speed of light. Right. These photons are light and they're literally, they, they went one meter one way and one meter the other way. So you're, you're at two meters flying at opposite speeds at the speed of light. So you're at twice the speed of light and the magnet was put on one side and instantaneously the other one started spinning in the same way that the magnet was. So, we definitely know that there's some information field. There's, there's some way of being connected. Those two photons are so connected instantly. And they did a, a little bit of a research also in 2007 where they found that sound has two 
levels. There's the kind of the slower sound, the 380 meters per second kind of sound frequency, which planes when they they pass that you know that Mach one, Mach two, etc. Right. You have that boom, sonic boom. But actually, sound also goes way faster than light, and so somehow they can same kind of experience, but with sound that reharmonized by itself through distance faster than the speed of itself traveling. There's definitely this other field. And, and I like that there's a, there was this French philosopher, physicist um, that talked a lot about that. It's, and he's got an incredible book. I wish it was translated in English um, about the superluminous man and also superluminous healing. And so he talks about energy and consciousness and the physical and how that all works together. But he was basically saying how light is almost that barrier between consciousness, which goes faster than light, and that's everything that goes faster than light, and then matter, which is slower than light and can then become heavy. And that as humans, we're amazing because we can bridge the two. And the whole world is this light refraction and we kind of live in this hologram that makes us feel matter, which is real, but it's organized in a specific way. And then we can also go into the dream world and this whole other subconscious world. Right. And to me, what I see because of the auras and the energy that I see is, is that there's a bridge that is also in the unseeable, unseeable by conventional you know, optics, but you, we can all kind of tune into that by training, which is to see this energy field that translates the conscious into energy, into the body, into the physical. Into matter, right. And so it's, it's a light field in a way, because that's where the bridge is, but it's a light that's, let's say, very diffused. And I think there's an electromagnetic component, so we could detect it scientifically. And I think Carl Ross, an MD in, in uh, Canada, has been uh, developing patents to try to do that. In Russia, they've been coming up with many different bio energetic, you know, receptors and diagnostic tools. And I think science really needs to start putting some attention to this because there's a lot there. I mean, that's what my whole healing practice for the last 15 years has been concentrated on about because I see it and I was trained in it, but I really, I also teach people how to access that too. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted to discuss too, about energetics and vibrational energy and increasing frequencies. And can you talk to us a little bit about how that works and like how certain foods and certain thoughts can increase our vibrational frequency and, um, and, and it could go the other way around. Certain thoughts and foods could also decrease our vibrational frequency. And so what is the advantage of raising your frequency or lowering your frequency? What does all that mean? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, if, if you think that matter kind of gets organized by a certain vibration, right? And our human state, let's say, of consciousness is a certain vibration at a base. When we go lower than that, we start malfunctioning versus when we raise our frequency, we start optimizing. And so understanding your unique frequency, one, is crucial. And then basically we have to understand that everything that you put into your body, and that means, you know, visual auditory, food, smells, thoughts, everything that you nourish yourself with is going to have an impact. And if you're nourishing yourself with low frequency, you're obviously going to drop in frequency, which is okay if you are aware of it. 
and you can be in control of that. If you're not, and you keep doing it and it becomes a pattern, you're obviously going to fall into a low frequency, which is most likely going to get you sick. And what it is, is your body kind of just saying, hey, retune, <laughs> come back into a natural frequency. And so oftentimes we see that obviously junk food, uh, alcohols, you know, like all sorts of things that basically lower your frequency also come with a certain pleasure, which is kind of a funny thing. Right. Right. So we kind of like getting dirty in a way. I mean, <laughs> if you think of even sex, it could be kind of dirty, but it's really, really good, right? Yeah. And yeah. so there's this whole like dopamine system and, and kind of ecstatic need to go into that darkness, which is to me where we're also learning about our subconscious, where we're learning about our own inner innate darkness, and we need to go and explore that. So it's, a, it's part of the process is almost like we tain ourselves to go clean ourselves up and then understand what was that? Why are we addicted to it? What becomes dangerous is when we're not conscious that we're doing this. Right. right? And you're just doing it out of habit or cultural means. Um, so yes, food, thought, emotions. You know, like one of the biggest things I feel on the planet that we're really evolving from on an emotional conscious level is the victim state. And the victim state is a triangle that has a victim, which obviously needs a prosecutor or somebody that's, you know, hurt that victim or made that victim, whether it's the big man and the big government or whether it's the rapist or whether it's the policeman that gives you a ticket. I mean, whatever it is. And then, of course, you need the savior, which I think if you look at all of our religious, we always are looking for this savior that can save us. Right. which perpetually puts us in the victim state. And therefore we're always arguing about somebody who's making us feel that victim. Right. But actually, if you see that as just a conscious frequency, that's actually very negative, but yet necessary to understand the patterns of things, you know, it actually helps have patience and therefore you need a doctor, right? Which is a savior. And then you need the virus. That's the, the bad guy. The prosecutor, right. <laughs> And that's just on the physical level. But actually, if you move out of that frequency, and it's pretty easy, anytime you see yourself complain or blame, you're in a victim state. Uh, interesting. Yes. Conscious frequency, right? And so very quickly, you can stop. And, and actually, what that moves you into is awareness and very quickly gratitude. And gratitude is a very high frequency. It, it can start bringing compassion, which is actually what the Dalai Lama talks a lot about. And what most spiritual teachers will say is, is rise up your frequency by gratitude, by thankfulness, by conscious awareness. You know, what do they mean by that? Well, by being conscious of what you're tuning into. Are you tuning into, you know, the sunshine or the storm and the darkness and the garbage and the nightlife? Right. I mean, Okay, if you like the nightlife, great, but make it balanced with a lot of sunshine or a lot of positive thinking and maybe, you know, cleansing and, and juicing and all this kind of stuff. Right. Unfortunately, I think our, our, we don't have that kind of education that teaches us, here's the positive energy frequencies, here's the negative ones, have fun, go play right. and find balance, otherwise you're going to suffer. And if I'm not mistaken, there's, I think you described that there's 14 frequencies that exist or somewhat. Oh, like there's, there's, there's so many, but like, I think there's, there's the main frequencies in the energy body for the human in the potentials. There's 13 basically 
chakras, we'll call them. Is that what you're talking about in terms of the frequencies? Um, no, for some reason, I thought that there was a, a certain number of frequencies that we attain from a low energy, energetic perspective to a higher energetic perspective. No, I think, it, I mean, each person is a certain, I forget which doctor did this back in the 50s. They actually measured all the different foods. They measured a lot of different humans that they could see that there's a certain frequency that the human stays at that is healthy, that is optimal, and then starts falling into disease. And that goes from the colds to then like, you know, the cancers and, and much more problematic diseases. And, and so one of the things that they found, which is also quite amazing, is that plants definitely have a certain frequency and can, by our, their interaction, raise our frequency or drop it. And one of the things that they found also is that essential oils almost, so from the same plant, the essential oil has almost 10 times or 100 times sometimes the frequency of the original plant. So wow. somehow with the processing, you augment the frequency of that plant. And so essential oils, even using them, even if it's just lavender, for example, every day, will help raise your frequency. And when you say use because of the interaction of like, applying topically or smelling or a combination of yeah both i mean obviously the smell helps with a psycho-emotional aspect it goes straight into the old brain that's very much about the emotions and it just helps you move through it i mean it's amazing that smell you know when you smell something it immediately brings you back into right. some emotion memory something like that and so by smelling it continuously it might have been a trauma, so you don't like that smell. The more you smell it and you see the flower, let's say, you've actually started clearing that trauma. So, so that's, that's the first part. So does it actually clear the trauma and let it process, or does it actually just bury it more? It doesn't bury it. It actually brings it up to the surface so that you can feel it. Most of the time, trauma is just it, it's like an effect or a life experience that was so intense but somehow we didn't have the time to process that finish it, experience right. and finish it. So we kind of like put it away right. in the closet of got to deal with that later. Well, because we don't have been processed it, we're still afraid of it. Right. right. And that becomes our shadow and our closet becomes really big because our life is so fast and we need to like advance and we need to succeed and we need to have like 20 things to do before you get to, you know, sleep <laughs> so that you can achieve every goal that you want. But, the, the key is to actually go look at that closet and go deal with those little experiences. And daily, they happen, right? I mean, it can be just as stupid as somebody cuts you off while you were just driving peacefully. And all of a sudden, you get shocked. And you don't understand what just happened, you know? And you carry that. But okay, you got to keep going because the guy behind is beeping now and this and that. And so you leave it behind. Well, it's still there, you know? Like, it's, it was a little bruise. Like, he just, you know, cut you off. That's kind of rude to obviously much bigger problems that can happen. Right. And, and we don't, I mean, I think a, a lot of times we just kind of bury it. Now the emotion, the, the essential oil or these, these plants are going to stimulate that emotion to come back up to the surface so that you can actually learn from it, bring conscious awareness and resolve the whole experience. And this is how we raise our consciousness. Okay. Got it. And actually, as we raise our consciousness, we're also raising our frequency, mm -hmm. right? Versus when we bury that, we're, we're actually lowering our frequency. Right.
and that's part and, of the where the conscious thing is i mean obviously if you're eating really bad food and you live in a really dark environment and it's all moldy and dusty and no light yeah you're gonna get sick yeah you know but you could do that and then be like a buddhist monk that's bringing in super high consciousness and maybe balance it out that it, takes a lot of training though is there an objective way to measure the frequency that you're at at any given time I mean, there's different ways. I think you have to be trained. That would be what would be amazing is to have some medical devices, you know, that could be like a ring that you wear and that can actually detect your energetics yeah. so that you could really see what you're processing you're and actually tune into that. Unfortunately, it's not there yet. And yeah. this guy, I mean, there is some research that's being done. I think a lot of people still call it woo-woo. <laughs> um, and therefore, you know, when it's woo-woo, investments are hard to come by. Right. Uh, but I would say in the next 10 years, we're going to see a huge amount of devices, medical devices that are starting to tune into that. I mean, HeartMath is an incredible organization that's doing a lot of that kind of testing on, on what is this energy field. And they've, they've actually measured that the heart has this really big energy field and that it interacts with people like at a distance further than our reach, right? already and then they've also realized that the gut also has this huge kind of field and it receives all this information and they're they're starting to get into the mathematics let's say of these energy fields right doesn't the heart have the same frequency as mother earth mm -hmm. exactly hey dr diva here Thank you to all my listeners who supported my book and helped to make it a huge success. You all helped us hit number one in Barnes & Noble, number one in the categories of oncology, cancer, healing, and medical ebooks, and number 21 in all of the Kindle store. We also were able to achieve number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. If you haven't gotten your copy, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or booksandmillion.com. Visit from doctortopatient.com to become part of our growing community of health and wellness aficionados and to learn more. that's that's how we stay in connection is when we say we're grounded it's actually our hearts open and connected to mother earth and so most of our decisions our mental processes are in alignment when we're disconnected and i think today unfortunately there's a lot of people that are disconnected because we just live in cities and we're born in cities and we never go out to nature right. which is new in the last hundred years you know, we, we disconnect and we get into that frenzy, psychotic aspect where that stress, anxiety, we don't know how to ground our decisions. We don't know what a good decision is. And so we can get also wrapped up into whatever somebody else is saying is good with confidence, even though it might be completely insane. And unfortunately, I think that's how some of the decisions have been made is they've not been grounded into, hey, let's just think about nature for a second. Right. Let's think about ourselves because that's what nature is we are nature and with you know you're alluding to how over the last 100 years we've been moving towards the cities and less in nature and 
I guess while being in the cities, you're exposed to a lot of EMF. This actually is really horrible for us. And we're moving into a state where we're going to be experiencing more 5G. And that's just going to disrupt so much of our frequencies. And yeah. it's going to prevent us from allowing us to be more grounded. Yeah. And that's what we desperately need is to be more grounded and be more one with nature. Yeah, I mean... It's interesting that there's this, you know, awakening of shamanism and therefore one of, I mean, it's interesting, my, my, um, I'm going to go on a tangent for a second, my whole training of seeing spirits, first of all, I didn't want to use plants to see spirits first. So I really learned through the non-plants, but the fact is, is plants, when I did start working with the master plants that make you see, I got to see how it was a, a, a nice technology for people who just don't have the time to go get initiated like I had to really open up all their awareness and this and that. And so with these plants, you can actually start seeing this energy. You can start having these revelations of this whole other side of yourself. Right. And I think that's why there's been such a huge opening of these plants that are being studied medically that are being used and that shamans are popping up everywhere is because there's a massive need for it for people to understand and have more meaning and tune into their frequency so that they can feel better. And, and so that's the first connection to nature. And one of the things that these plants are doing, basically they're bringing us to that awareness. First, they're, they're helping us heal and, and, and on a personal level, but there's always this reconnect to nature, come back to nature. And I think most of the people that are awakening to these plants do come back and, and regain a connection and, a, and a, an appreciation for what nature can do that's much beyond the just natural resource of, oh, there's a piece of wood, let's make a table or let's make a house with it. It's No, let's, let's commune with this tree because actually it's alive and it's communing with me and talking to me and can help me. And I want to like get into, oh, this is a great transition to start talking about the master plants and mm. There's a huge, huge awareness of these entheogenic um, uh, plants that are have been in existence for many years. And there's a lot of science that has been um, backing and a lot of research backing the benefits of some of these plants um, and for raising consciousness and also for treating um, uh, mental disorders like depression, anxiety, PTSD. And some of these um, substances are... Um, are are not natural, right? They're, they're man-made um, mm -hmm. and they're synthetic. Uh, what is your opinion with utilizing these synthetic substances versus the natural substances? Okay. I mean, I, I think I'm going to start just by saying that at a certain level, whatever relieves suffering is good, right? But then we have to tune into, okay, what, what are the consequences of that quick relief? And is it sustainable? And does it have side effects? And I think with a lot of the pharmaceuticals, there's been some incredible developments. I mean, like just very simple things like penicillin and aspirin. It's great that we have access to that, right? All over the world on a cheap way. And it does have a massive effects. And we've gotten into these incredible fine-tuned technologies, but most of it comes from nature originally, and we're extracting those molecules. And what happens with that is we, we kind of break the whole 
consciousness of the plant in a sense that has all these other molecules that are playing with it and that make the constitution but it's not good for business because we can't patent it right so that we have to understand so we're not getting the full effect that nature can give us yet we're using some of the same molecules and that's unfortunate because that means a lot of times we can find the equivalent in nature that's going to be with the entourage effects of all the other molecules healthier for us because we can actually process it without the negative effects. That's one thing on the very physical level. So for example, MDMA or ketamine, which are two substances that are being used therapeutically that have these incredible effects of being able to open us up and, and bring us into more awareness. There is also a side effect to that, which is like they deplete you from your serotonin. So like two days after you've had that epiphany and the breakthrough, which is important, and it's sustaining, you have to be really guided into the depression that you're going to have two days later, or the weakness, or also the energetic effects that these chemicals are doing on us because of the lack of the entourage that helps integrate it into our biological form. Because all these molecules are made in nature with other components that actually help it stay very, I'd say, organic. And, and, and I mean, organic, like bio soluble in a way and absorbable in a healthy way. Now, one of the things that we've focused on is the poppy seed, like, you know, the heroin and the morphine and that plant. So when we talk about the shamanism aspect that each plant has a frequency, a consciousness, and therefore an energy, right? Well, the poppy seed just brings us into kind of a dark world a very like low illusionary dark place that relieves suffering because it brings us into this illusion. But there's this massive side effects that you have to go and deal with this lower frequency that on top of it is very addictive. Right. So there's this very, very addictive component to it versus for example, DMT, which you find in ayahuasca and actually in most plants and even in our own pineal right. gland, right brings you into a very high frequency world, almost like the light. So it takes away the pain as well because you don't feel it while your mind is distracted, but now you're actually gaining, gaining consciousness. So it's why, why aren't we using more of that substance, for example, versus the other, right? Those are questions that I wonder a lot. And especially since those higher frequency kind of conscious plants, really not only bring us higher consciousness, so they, they're actually helping us solve things, they actually have a high frequency, so they bring us in high frequency. So they really are truly healing us and not hooking us into depleting this us. addictive patterns or depleting us and making us feel horrible. And energetically, obviously, when you have the full compound of the organic plant substance, the energetics isn't affected. Like I see a lot of MDMA and ketamine actually close the heart energetically which is not a good thing for healing. So even though it's opening up the heart during the effects and opening up a certain awareness, eventually afterwards, you're going to have to do energy work to keep the heart open because it has a natural way of closing from the effects of the chemicals. So I think obviously I'm with being a shaman and maybe more traditional, um, I, I have this strong affinity to all the natural world. And I feel that all these plants, it's fascinating to see that like some plants 
provide DMT and it's got no real use for themselves. So it's, it, they're creating something that, on the other hand, plays with our receptors to connect and to have conversation. And in that, there's a, there's a positive, let's say, intention to connect and raise our frequency. And we know this. There's plants that are here to bring us down in frequency. And the shaman got to know that. Some plants can kill you. Right. So not all nature is wonderful, but you have to understand it. But when you're using the right plant, I think you're going to have a better experience, a better way of integrating it. And it's healthier and safer for us. And on top of it, there's this consciousness that's playing with us. Each plant has a certain conscious awareness where when we extract the chemicals and we're just making the chemicals, there is no consciousness, consciousness there. Right. And so it's our ego that's, you know, having the effects it's, it's, and, and guiding it. So if we have the proper guide, okay, and we can really do therapeutic work and, and we can move. So as I go back to if it's healing and if it's done properly and the set and setting are right and the guides are right and there's the right follow through, you know, the right energy work on the backside. Exactly. The right support on the backside with the right awareness. Cause I think a lot of people have good intentions, but they just don't have all the education. And that's why, like, I mean, in the shamanic realms, you know, it's seven years of initiation usually because it takes that long, especially for you to understand, like there's something tricky about our minds and our egos. Yeah. You know, we get a certain amount of knowledge and very quickly the ego wants to own it. But to be really at service and to hear it, you have to go to certain other layers of mastery of your ego so that it doesn't get in the way. And, and oftentimes that's when we get the deeper knowledge of, wait, 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 yes, the plant does this, 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 but it also does this, 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 you know. And to treat that, there's this whole other process. And it just takes time to really go through that initiation of really understanding these that's fantastic. Running close to being out of time, but I want to, I have two questions that I want to ask of you. What are your thoughts on um, people doing these plants, medicines um, on a regular basis, supervised, unsupervised? You know, what would be your advice if a person is interested in expanding their consciousness through plant medicines? I mean, I think if you're interested in doing it, um, you, sh you should find a, somebody in your local community that can direct you to a proper guide that's been doing this for a long time. I would say at least, you know, 10 to 15 years and that uh, has had positive results, meaning like other people have had transformational breakthrough experiences. I think that the amount of how many times and how consistent it is really depends on the individual and what they have to clear and what they have to go through and how much they want to raise themselves. But you have to be careful with the addictive personality of our society where we have this need to escape yeah. and the quick fix and the, you know, I'm not going to deal with my things. It's great to go talk to unicorns and goddesses and this and that, but if you don't remember your zip code and you can't pay the bills, you know, you're not, it's not practical. Like the whole point is we're meant to raise our consciousness to then come back into the body and come back into this life and really enjoy it and live it with that heart that's open and full of gratitude and can make more beauty into the world. 
so you know i i know some people they've taken ayahuasca 150 times and i feel like they haven't progressed at all because they're not integrating it yeah and i think probably in the world right now there's a lot of centers that are offering these experiences in a safe environment some with doctors some with shamans and this and that but there's probably a lack of integration and unfortunately you know already having the experience is quite time consuming the integration is is a supervised continuous work towards the back end and it, it's it is like where the therapy is in a sense the integration of the visions the interpretations of the visions the lack of confusion that can come from those visions because sometimes we see things that are so incredible and these plants tell us we're such incredible beings but they don't give you the you know the plan of how to get there from where you are That's so yes it, it lifts you <laughs> yeah. but then how do you get there well so yeah i want another cup to get there because it told me <laughs> it was amazing i know actually don't take in the other cup start fortunately some of these master plants do tell you like so i've had experiences where people go back and back and back and the plant doesn't give them anything anymore it just says hey you know <laughs> here's enough <laughs> that, yeah, go integrate everything i told you because you're you're i'm not going to teach amazing. you more like, that's amazing as a plant could do that that's awesome it's it is amazing and and so you know the world is perfect as it is in a weird way and uh i think just concentrating on making yourself better and and really being responsible with yourself and facing yourself yeah. in an honest way about what are you doing because we all know when we're pushing too far or when we're in that real authentic i'm in a pursuit to heal raise consciousness and be of service right awesome and then the last thing i want to ask uh is um what is your favorite master plant and why? Hmm. That's a good one. Getting into my personal stuff. <laughs> I really love San Pedro. Um, the cactus. Uh, it's, it's something that's just so incredible because it's, it's, um, I think there's a lot of wounded masculine energy. We talk a lot about the feminine and yes, there's, there's some deep healing that needs to happen in the feminine for sure but we don't talk about the deep healing that needs to happen in the masculine and how the masculine has been, you know, abused since thousands of years as well from us going to wars and killing and doing horrible things to protect the women. And in that we forget about the, the, the joy that the masculine can actually give and the softness of the grandfather and the, the wisdom of that. And, and somehow with the San Pedro, you get this really beautiful serotonin, it cleanses the serotonin. It opens up the heart so deeply. So it takes away a lot of the stress and it brings us back into that open heartedness where we're connected to nature. And so you start seeing this place as a paradise again. And we forgot that we live in paradise and, and the San Pedro really awakens us back into our sensual so that we can actually go back to this incredible being that we have of the central exploration of ecstasy. I mean, that's just incredible. And that you can do this with a simple, you know, looking at a tree, sitting on a rock and uh, have that deep transformation of the gratitude of being alive rather than the visual trip of, let's say the mind, this is a very body experience. experience. 
and it grounds us really deeply into the potential of how joyful life is. And uh, I think that's really helpful, especially because there's a lot of depression and we forget how to get into the joy because of the anxiety that we put on ourselves. Right. Awesome. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest for my podcast. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure and you're doing amazing work. So thank you. Happy to support it.